Want entertainment designed just for you? Then check out customizable streaming TV from Xfinity. It makes your life simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity gives you customizable streaming TV options. Enjoy the most free shows anywhere on any device and even access your streaming apps right on your TV with X1. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. It's me, the Fetch, host of Inside the Eye Live. Before the Sunday mainstream media political pundit talk shows, there is Inside the Eye Live, where we break down some of the weekly mainstream media talking points before the talking points even get aired. Add in some entertaining stories, weather, cats, intriguing and informative guests, and you get one of the most listened to Saturday morning streaming media political talk shows going today. And it's all right here on our flagship station, Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. So join me, The Fetch, for Inside the Eye Live every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern. It is truly intelligent media for the politically aware. Welcome to Sacred Matrix, a divine paradigm of love and universal consciousness, with your host, Janet Kira Lesson and Dr. Sasha Lesson. Together we transform the world. And now, here are your hosts, Janet Kira and Dr. Sasha Lesson. afternoon we're we're misha we, we switched to misha misha johnson oh that's you'll have to give me her okay cancel that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay sorry yeah we've we've all been dealing with a lot of um, wounds and illness and so our guests i won't name her name can't come on today so misha johnson is coming in in her place and where did i get to so far sacred matrix on Revolution Radio, I'm Janet Lesson, your host, along with my co-host, Dr. Sasha Lesson. And while Ahmad gets uh, Misha, and Misha's friended you on Skype, dear, so go find her. I'll tell you about Misha Johnson. In 1991, Misha founded the Star Family Contactee Group, and she was, was a director of UFOCCI, which stands for UFO Contact Center International, and also Celestial Contacts in Nevada through 98. She was a working group member of Stephen Greer's C-SETI in Las Vegas in 97. She was a coordinator of the Art Bell Chat Club, San Diego chapter from 98 to 2001. Uh, she has been interviewed on many radio shows, including Art Bell's Dreamland, and has spoken at UFO conventions throughout Nevada, Colorado, and uh, yeah, Colorado, California, Nevada. Sweetheart, finish reading this while I give Mad the um, uh, Misha's contact. Okay. 
Okay. Um, hi, this is Dr. Lesson. You know, Misha um, is going to be talking about some of her contacts, but a lot of the contacts are there and we've forgotten them. And many of you who are listening are probably uh, have had, uh, you can, you know, if you imagine something, it just might be what was or is, or where do you go when you image things? So while we're waiting for Misha to get on, I'd just like you to have a little, if it's safe for you to do so, close your eyes. <laughs> and, okay, and I want you to imagine that you're at an extraterrestrial meeting. The Galactic Federation of Light uh, has given a special committee of people, uh, mainly humanoids, but there's, there's a, a couple of friendly reptoids there. But the uh, ET species who want Earth to make it, who want the human species uh, to survive and thrive. And so um, they're asking you, what do you think about Earth the way it is now? And uh, you're telling them how it is right from your heart and your clarity. And you're letting yourself, while we're waiting for me, well, uh, receive, receive telepathic ideas from these beneficent uh, helpers of humanity about what your mission is and what Earth needs to do. So just take a moment to do that, and Janet will complete the introduction of Misha. Thank you for that interlude. <laughs> Misha, welcome to the show. Thank Are you. Are you there? I am. There How you doing? Yeah, we had a little mix-up, but we got you finally. Thanks for joining us. And today we're going to talk to Misha Johnson. I didn't get to finish your bio, so let me do that real quick here because there's a lot of important information in this bio. So Misha is a second-generational experiencer, uh, which started at age three, and she has had numerous contacts and abductions and has been involved with at least five different alien types, the greys, insectoids, mammalians, reptilians, and human-looking groups. She's had many MyLab experiences and has been in the underground bases, which includes a black ops branch of our government and some grey and reptilian factions. She was born and raised in an MK Ultra family, and she will explain what that is. And she started her trauma-based training for Project Monarch and put into service at age nine. She's going to tell us all about what that means. And Misha has two missing periods of time in her life, extending to eight months each time. Well, I'm only aware of the one, during which time she has little or no memory of what happened. This included the wedding and a husband, and she has no memory of this husband at all. And her book did get out in 2017, which is called Covert Abduction, Military Harassment, Surveillance, Interrogation, and Mind Control, The Autobiography of a Survival, and it's Survivor, and it's available on Amazon.com. And one final thing, she's a, Misha is a certified hypnotherapist. She specializes in trauma release, hypnosis, hypnosis and regressions. She facilitates 12 experiencer support groups each month two are in her private residence in las vegas and the others um three times a week she has a private internet live chat room on zoomchat.com and you can see her events on facebook um she has a show on kcore radio every saturday start seed awakening and she is a cast member of the Eyeball TV show, Transcending Reality Show. This is one busy person. <laughs> and I'm very proud to call her my friend. There. 
Now, Misha, what would you like to add? Hi, hi. No, you covered everything. Yeah, you covered everything. Um, I always like to make sure that people do know about the groups because it is a place for people to come and share their experiences on the Internet, on Zoom. It's a virtual live uh, group, which I actually um, make sure that it's very safe and protected because the only people that can come to it are invited by me. I will give them the, the link, you know, but all they need to do if they're interested is contact me or come to the events, sign up, and then I send them an email. And we talk a bit and then we find out if it's the right group for because I have, you know, the MK Ultra uh, DID My Lab Experiencer group that's <clears throat> every Thursday at uh, 3 to 7. And then I have the um, Chandlers. It's a um, Starseed channeling, so anybody who wants who's getting downloads or they feel that they're getting contacted, Galactic Light Language, which is what I do, channel and, and Galactic Light Language, it's also a medium. So we talk about all these things, you know, automatic writing, symbols, all of it. And so that's on every Saturday after my uh, Kate Clark show, which is from 12 to 2. And then uh, that one's from 3 to 6. And then I had a group that I finished today at uh, 3 o'clock. Did it end at 3? Well, and a little bit earlier today because of the holiday. Uh, but uh, at, it, it goes from 12 to 3, and that's for experiencers and my labs also as well. So, yeah, those so are all those. Pacific time, correct? Pacific? Pacific standard time, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, so if they want to know about their groups, these groups, they go on Facebook. And what do they put in on the Facebook? All they search? have to do is go to the events, you know, go to the events and see what the listed events are on the calendar. You'll see my events there every single week. On the calendar, what, where, on your website or the? No, on Facebook uh, events. And anybody wants to know about anything, I just go on Facebook, you just you'll see uh, uh, a menu. On the left, it will say events. If you click that event, it'll tell you all the events that are going to be happening in not only in your area, but on the uh, Facebook or on the Internet because it's, it's, you know, so that's where I advertise. Okay, that's something I wasn't aware of. So you can click on Facebook on the left-hand corner and you see all the events. Yeah, you'll your, see events. Your, and your event is called Starseed Awakening. What is your event called? It's called, okay, the one that I had today was Starseed Awakening ET Contact Experience Group and My Lab Group. And then the ones that I have, uh, the other events would be MK Ultra DID My Lab Experience Group on, on, on Thursday. And then the other group will be the Starseed Channeling Group. So you can go to the calendar okay, okay. and see them. Feedback. <laughs> okay, there I see that. Yeah, today's show was called Star Seeds ET Experiencers My Lab MK Ultra. Alrighty. So um, now I had a question for you, and then Sasha has a question for you. Let me go back to where I have your bio. Oh, I just lost it. Okay. Um, so you had. Okay, first of all, what is a my lab experiencer for those who don't know? Okay, uh, FK Ultra and Project Monarch. Let's uh, set up these terms and explain those things for our listeners so they know what we're talking about. Because okay. a new person, they're going, "What's all this stuff they're bantering about?" They don't know what it is. Exactly right. 
All right, well, a MyLab is someone who has had ET experience and for whatever reason, whether it's the genetic, genetic uh, bloodline, DNA line, or uh, their psychic abilities or their knowledge of the ET crafts or whatever, they will be re-abducted by factions of the, you know, the black ops, the government, the, the, the elite, or, or there's several of them that do the abductions actually. And um, then they're sometimes used in laboratories. They may, they may be experimented on themselves because let's say they just had an experience with an ET a, a day or so, or even hours after they're re-abducted by the government. So that's it. It's my lab is military abduction and and also lab because of, that goes in place. A lot of people have had memories of being in um, with doctor type people uh, and experimentation with uh, on all kinds of equipment. Sometimes they're just interrogated on what they know about the ship. Uh, what, how uh, it is powered, you know, the propulsion system, or they're asked about what what you learn on the ship. And what, with me, I was for a long time being taught how to be what I believe is now that I've been told is a translator. And um, so I experienced a lot of different languages and training and things like that. So. I believe that was what they were interested in. Also, I do because uh, during my my lab experience, there was I was a translator for for different um, for different ETs for the uh, the factions of government to understand. So, um, so that's basically my lab. Okay, so um, the other. Let me ask a couple questions on that before we go to the next one. Sure. So you you said that they. The black ops branch of our government um, and some great reptilian factions abduct people after they've been abducted by ETs. Now, how do they know that the person has been abducted by other ETs? How oh, do they know that? Because they put uh, they they put um, implants in us. They find they know for different reasons. There's they can know from a frequency. They can uh, they can know because they're watching the genetic line and and see if anybody's being uh, taken by the ETs and that they're interested in what's going on in the experience. So when do when do these humans get these implants and which humans are selected? Is it everybody? Is it only certain people? When do it, when do we get get it at birth or what happens? I do. I actually don't know. In in my case, I believe my implants came very early. But with other people, some people don't remember my lab experiences until they're older. Uh, so it's hard to say. And now, since technology is so amazing, they don't need to implant you. They can tell by frequencies. They, you know, they're psychotronically hooked into people, and so I'm sure that's how they can tell now. They don't even have to have an implant, but with the other, you know, it's it's a it's an implant, a tracker, a tracker. Basically, that's what they put in people is trackers. It's not hard to put in trackers. They put in trackers all the time. Right. Got, well, if, you back, if you look back fifty, whatever, sixty years ago, fifty years ago, um, the in Star Trek, they used to go around a planet and they could tell that there's humanoid life there, mm -hmm. and. Uh, listening to a interview with 
uh, Alfred Weber and one of his guests, and she said that they could uh, identify, you know, how many lions are in the the jungle, right? So they have identifiers for individual species, so it's logic. Uh, what I got in my downloads, I am an experiencer, is that we each have a soul signature and a signature of our body. Our body has a unique signature, and the two get matched together in a symbiotic relationship. And so that seems like that could be trackable as well. So that makes me wonder what made them have to do implants in the first place. But now it's, uh, I agree with you, we probably, they probably have this advanced technology technology and can identify individuals that they want in their program and they probably can identify them by different things like their DNA and stuff like that. Do you have a comment, Dr. Lesson? Well, just just from my perspective, after the Council of Hatona, uh, you know, way back uh, so many hundred thousand years ago, um, different um, sky-faring species, and so, including uh, reptilians, 12 humanoid uh, uh, Lyran refugees, and one uh, reptoid group contributed the basic genes to make a, a hardy uh, being for Earth. And uh, the reptoids uh, made sure that, particularly that their part of the brain controlled the brain stem. That's where greed and hierarchy and survival and so forth uh, take place. But we all st we start with with all these different. Each species wanted its particular genes to uh, be dominant and, and, and so forth. It's a long story. That's what I had about that. But, you know, Misha, what I was going to ask you, going back to the visualization I gave in the beginning, uh, that, you know, if you were asked to uh, assess for uh, beneficent ETs the situation that you find Earth in and uh, receive from them the main, main message uh, for humanity and what you can do about it. What do you get? Okay. Um, well, I think one thing is we have to learn how to love, stop the warring. Um, you know, I, I, I look at look at things like uh, you just take a, a look at some of the news and such as that. And, and, and if you were in a species that have already evolved past warring, you do not kill your fellow mankind. You do not kill your fellow uh, person, uh, you know, whatever that species might be because that, and, and many, many, many of them, in fact, many people, including myself have been told that we do not kill each other. And they, they find it's very odd that this planet kills people and kills their fellow man. And, and so, um, you know, we need to learn how to love. We need to learn, get the, the, the anger and the hate out and, and transmute this energy that is here into a, a more um, non-judgmental, loving allowance type of thing. It doesn't matter what person's race, creed, or their sexual orientation is. It does what does it matter? It we're all humans having um we're actually we're all spiritual beings having a human life. But I, yeah. I do I just do believe that it, it's all about love and can't can't we just get along? I, I don't know, it's pretty simple but that's how I feel. So what steps can you take to make that happen? Can we affect anything? We as the people who are awake? Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, it's okay. like we so are... So the people uh, that are awake, 
I think will yes. have kind of a, a duty to show their very best that they are. And, um, you know, you go on Facebook and where you've got these attacks from different play people and stuff like that, that, that does not care, does not show a spiritual person. So people have to just learn about stop being so not so judgmental. Um, yeah. You know, in my groups, that's one of my taboos. I have some, I do have some rules that people do. And if they start judging somebody, um, you know, they get warned. And if they continue, they're going to, they're going to be out. So that's what we have to do is we have to show by our example. Um, and I know I, I'm, I, I'm not a religious person, but I think that Jesus was, uh, I believe Jesus was a hybrid. He was an ET coming here to show people this is what you really need to be like. This is what you really need to uh, to strive to be is a, uh, a non-judgmental, loving person who doesn't doesn't hate. So you know, we 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 as people need to uh, be that example. Oh, right. I, I think on your show, like today, I was on your little chat, which was private, and there was only about six, seven, eight people there, um, we were discussing ways of doing that. And I shared that one of the things I got was 24 different uh, timeline possibilities. One complete destruction of the earth and to the other side of the continuum was um, utopia. And the message I got from my download was, if you find yourself going into a negative direction, just do a course correction and steer towards a positive timeline and you will actually get there and every time you see yourself going personally into negative thought or you know your friends and family just be a loving presence a guide to that uh, divine unconditional love and of course so uh, when we're talking about this we need to protect ourselves from those who would create us harm so you, part of loving others is loving yourself so you don't get abused right and mm -hmm. even by showing uh, other people how you can be kind and loving while setting boundaries and not allowing others to, uh, you know, shit upon you or chat upon you. <laughs> you actually are showing them models of love. I'll, let's, let's focus on that a little bit. You know, we need to learn how to love. What ways can you imagine, Image, that we can show people to teach them how to love themselves and their parent others on the way to um, species of another kind. You know, how, how can we love extraterrestrials when we have all these prejudices against our own species just because they're, you know, a different race, color, creed, orientation? What are your right. thoughts on that? Well, you know, I feel just because somebody uh, doesn't look like you or even is scary looking to you, like say it's an alien and it's scary looking and it's 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 ugly and hideous to you doesn't mean it's it's negative or bad. And just because it's beautiful and shiny and, and glowing and looks like some angelic being doesn't mean it's always good. So we have to be very discerning with what we we feel, um, but yet, but but yet loving and non-judgmental. But as for you, you know, to protect yourself, you have to protect yourself. And I do this all the time, uh, especially because of my background. And um, I believe that, like I said earlier, you know, by by our own actions, um, I, 
I don't see this all the time, but I tell have people tell me 100% of the time that you are just so kind and loving. And I, but I don't see that part of me because I'm still working on clearing a bunch of crap from my my past and the MK Ultra. I don't see that about me. But they tell me that I'm, you know, very, very uh, always. Well, I am always happy. This is something I, I believe. You know, if, if you're happy, you're going to draw happiness in. If you're angry and and mad, you're going to draw mad in. So we're we are manifestors, and we we attract what we concentrate on. So if we're always uh, spending our attention on uh, negativity, then that's what we're going to draw. But if we even with my research with what happened to me, I still had to put a bunch of fun stuff in there, some good stuff, some happy stuff, some love stuff, some spiritual stuff in order to balance it out. It balance is a really important thing. Right. I agree. Well, uh, for example, when I was a child, I met these uh, reptilians, one reptilian that kept coming to me repeatedly over time. And every time I faced it was a, it, felt male to be a male person, I had great fear and I had huge emotional, intense negative reactions. But when I finally got into hypnosis and therapy on it, I realized that he was actually kind, not even neutral, he was kind, and he was uh, confused at my reaction because I was, he was just trying to communicate with me. I had been accustomed to communicating with um, Anunnaki and reptilian, or, or in, uh, and uh, uh, Zetas, the greys, and they have a different frequency. So when they communicate with you in your third eye or crown chakra, it feels different. So the reptilians, when they were trying to communicate with me telepathically, it felt too intense. And I, I said to myself, they're trying to suck my soul out of my, <laughs> out uh, of my crown chakra. But it was, uh -huh. it was a misconception. So then I did the work on it, and then I was writing a book, and, and I was actually writing a chapter, and I, I came into communication with my reptilian friend, and I asked him to take uh, for my forgiveness to accept my apology, and he uh -huh. did. So that was a front level of healing. And you've interacted with the reptilians. You want to tell us a little bit about your relationship with reptilians? They're the bad guys in the uh, UFO world. They get all the... They get dumped on all the time. What's your experience with reptilians? They do. Well, I um, had a specific one that came to me, and I, I, I came to find out that there was a strong connection to to him. And, I, you know, I'll tell you about that later. But when I first saw him, he just was this energy. It was energy that came into my room. And for quite some time, I had experiences where I would be, go places, uh, go on board a ship, things like that. And I never saw anybody. Uh, I, that was some of my training as well, uh, as far as the linguistic part of it. But um, I didn't see anybody aboard the ship. And I only would see him in an oar. And so then, um, long time after I'd had contact with this being, I asked him, I said, you know what? I know you're not this energy. I, I feel your unconditional love, and I know, but I know you're not this form that you have in front of me, this actually formless. It was, it was a bit of a form. You could see like a, a shape of a body, but it was very, and had all kinds of pinks and purple colors and stuff. Actually, I had Kasara, who was on my radio show yesterday. She did a drawing for me of it, but, and she captured it perfectly. But, and he, 
and then he all of my communication with him was always telepathic um with the time that i'd spent with him before it was kind of like a teaching time um i'd also had some wonderful unconditional and loving energy and i felt from him i'd also had some kundalini spiritual energy come in through it as well and was it did in fact continue but at that particular night i kept i asked him and he said he telepathy asked me are you absolutely sure and i said yes i'm absolutely sure he asked me again are you completely sure absolutely and i said yes yes i want to know i want to know what you look like and he how would i said energy wise he was caressing me but he wasn't touching me but he was caressing me to let me know okay be ready be ready and then he appeared of what he what he looked like and which was a reptile it was seven and a half foot um avocado green color uh yellow gold eyes with the, with the vertical slits and very muscular body his stomach had a um the only way i can describe it it was it was an organic um tortoise shell on him it that's what it kind of looked like was a tortoise shell um and uh, and then um and I, I i i don't know if it's organic armor or what it is but that's what i saw and then he um at the time i don't remember any um shirt there was no shirt or anything like that and um but later i did see him in a hood in hooded uh, uh cape and i did see, see he wore some kind of black tights type of thing uh and he had a belt with a symbol that was a triangle and it had a curly q kind of thing like um like a maybe maybe a dragon symbol in in the middle of it um he also wore some kind of a thing on his arm which i believed was part of his uh trans transporting or communication or something like that so um from then on now i and i was really frightened at first i was really frightened but but again he sent me this really unconditionally loving energy and i knew and i recognized him and i knew it was him and i finally got over that um that fear of what he looked like and I had a wonderful experience with him including through a lot of the times uh how would i put this um when i was reabducted after after his experience with him or the willowy one um or or the mantis one i would be taken to underground base and um one particular time during and again remember i'm mk ultra well this one particular time i know i was up to be sacrificed i really truly believe it because i was standing there there was a a group of of humans there were also some jacronians what i call the jacronians or the chitakara is what i call them um i know that they're they're they go by other names but but they do this particular group does love the energy of a human when they're dying get into this really creepy stuff i know but yeah, um well, it's about the role of sacrifice um i've heard that it opens up uh, interdimensional portals so different yeah, beings and it's also a drug it's also a drug yeah because they take that adrenaline that dying adrenaline from somebody and i, I, I being i guess cuz i'm psychic i i could actually visualize actually see that energy leaving someone's body who was sacrificed and 
there was a, a, a bigger draconian there standing at the end with a, a, a dark black purple. It's hard to tell for sure because it was very dark in there and there was there was some fire and such. And it was it was definitely underground in kind of a cave like atmosphere. And uh, but but he was standing there at the end of the um, the altar and was just like sucking up the energy. And well, and it wasn't just turn. him, it was other ones. It was other ones. It was like there was like a procession of them would come up. And and uh, it, it. so anyway, I was standing there and I was in what those other people were wearing. I remember seeing that they had white kind of like gown frocks kind of things on and they were being sacrificed. And all of a sudden, here comes a being in a cloak and some kind of interaction because they don't talk. So some kind of interaction goes on between the reptilian that's standing right beside me and this other one, other one in the cloak. And um, then I'm passed over to this other one in the cloak and I'm walking away with him. Right. So when you're in this state, you're in like a catamine state. Uh, I'll go through the drugs and stuff that they use, but you are, catatomic basically uh so you walk around and you're you're completely controllable so uh, as we walked away i heard telepathically it's ayano and we must run i cannot we cannot keep this kind of facade up for long so we have, have to go and so we ran through these caverns and then all of a sudden is all i remember is you know a wall opened up and we were out so as far as I'm concerned, he, he survived, he saved my life one time. And I believe because he looked enough like them, I guess that, um, you know, he could um, pass for them. Now, I, wow. I believe he's from off planet, but he's never told me what planet it is. But I have now since um, with uh, my own re hypnotherapy regressions and stuff, I found out that I had some reptilian lives where I lived. He and I were married, so I believe that's uh, why. He, that's why he came. Right. So let's talk about that a little bit. So, what I've learned from working with all these thousands of um, experiencers over the year and interviewing them and all, and getting all their stories, and is that some uh, are hybrid souls, meaning you could have a soul that has, like Simon Parks. He says, "I'm part." mantis part reptilian and part human on a soul level and then we have <coughs> excuse me the the avatars the bodies that are created and like mm -hmm. cynthia crawford said she's part i forget what her what the percentage is and what species but i think she's got at least three three alien species and the human form within her dna and then we have these past lives and simultaneous lives we have with these different characters like Ayano, and he loves you. He's in love with you, and you're in love with him on some level. You're still on some level. I am, but I still have and that it, feeling for him, even though I don't. And and it's a long story, but I, I I canceled all my contracts because I was having so much horrible things going on with the human side of the world, and um, I cancel all my physical contracts for any kind of physical contact, any kind of abduction, any kind of thing like that, including. And unfortunately, I didn't really realize at the time while I was in front of the council that when I asked for help, 
was that I ended up canceling all my contracts. So I do not get to see him anymore. I do not get to go aboard ships that I'm, to my knowledge, anymore. However, astrally, I do have experiences, and I experience a life with him, not only as a reptilian, but also as a human. Because just because he's, in fact, he said to me in this human life, he said, uh, I said, you're Ayano, aren't you? And he said, yes, I am. He, and he, actually, he said, well, yes, I am. And I said, well, um, but you're human this time. He says, well, is this a pleasing form for you? <laughs> and I said, yeah. huh? <laughs> for me? Well, and so I ended up woman. having some, some parallel lives going on with him as a human as well as a reptilian. So just because he's a, a reptilian in this time doesn't mean he's always. I don't believe our souls are all one thing. I, you know, and I think that's what people get stuck in because they see an alien as a gray. That doesn't mean he's always a gray. That his soul isn't gray. His soul is infinite. His soul is er so many different. We all are all one. So I think that we've been everything. And, and that's what I find in interviewing people and doing regression is that uh, that is true. Uh, for example, when my friend uh, is out of the closet now completely, uh, since her husband died and she had to, like a gag order with her husband, but now he's passed, she can talk about it. She was a, a Zeta who was driving one of the Roswell craft and they delivered them. They, they pretended that they crashed so that humans would go over and approach the craft and think that they were so smart and they had crashed them, but they pretended. And then after she uh, left her form as uh, one of the Zetas that was, uh, or one of the greys, we call them, uh, she went on board ship and then she came back as a human female and she's alive now. So, uh -huh. and also we, we get stuck with this uh, time. It has to be linear. Right. You can have simultaneous incarnations in many forms on many planets and vibratory frequencies and dimensions. And actually that's what is happening. But because we're conditioned that we need to focus on one level at a time, we miss the greater picture. But I think what they're training us to do, many of us, is to be able to embrace our simultaneous lives and incarnations themselves. And so how can you be prejudiced against, say, a uh, gray or a reptile or a mantis when you actually are one yes. in a different um, time stream or dimension or vibratory frequency or planet. Yes, I 100% agree. <laughs> I agree. And, and that's what I've, I've uh, found. Now, I haven't found that I'm gray, but I, I don't, don't discount that at all. I'm sure I've been every race and maybe even some animals and other races. Who knows, you know? I think that we Wait, are really... And I think that's when they talk to us about we are all one is trying to explain that, that we are all connected and that we are, um, we, you know, we're part of that facet of the universal God source that we are all connected. And so we are all, are all and have been everything and will be everything. Right. And it's not a past or present thing. It's simultaneously. Well, so few can understand this, and it's a delight to talk to someone else on this level. I won't name names, but I was at this uh, huge uh, gathering contact in the desert, and some people were definitely down on certain species, 
and uh, demonizing them. And I felt uh, a great deal of sadness when I heard that still happening. It's like it's like the ultimate racism. It's like okay, well, I won't be prejudiced against human races that are you know Asian or black or white or orange or pink or whatever. But uh, now I, it's acceptable to be a racist against uh, you know grays or reptilians or mantis or or whatever, and I don't think that's acceptable really on the highest level, um, and that's just my my opinion. Dr. Lesson, you're over there sitting looking so wise. What would you like to add to this conversation? Well, you know, this whole idea of um, opposition is, is very interesting, and uh, what uh, you were saying, Misha, about people being judgmental, but I find that what people judge, it's just a reflection of their own uh, inner critic in a way turned outward but what you uh, uh, judge as negative what bugs you in other people or what you overly admire in other people uh, or other beings is really your underdeveloped parts and so if you look at a, a say a a, a, a gray uh, a zeta and you say uh, these people are not like me they're just so uh, cold and methodical and uh, uh, and uh, okay so what you, when you're doing that, you need to look at the cold and methodical part of yourself that you can't accept and see cold and methodical part of myself, what do you really need? And, and so it's easy. We don't have to make any uh, race or any uh, group uh, an opposition. We can embrace them because, uh, and, be, and let their, uh, allow our empathy to uh, extend to them so that their welfare becomes part of our extended welfare. And that's how it is with uh, all our relations, so to speak. Mm, yes, yes, absolutely. So what other species have you had uh, intense relationships with? Uh, the a tall white, a a okay, tall tell white us gray. about that. Okay, well, um, in the order that they came, it's actually the Bee Gees, were, were, which are little furry guys that uh, resemble what the Ewoks are, uh, actually. Um, that When I saw the Ewoks on Star Wars, I went, oh my gosh, that's, that's the little guys. And they used to come to me when I was three, year old, three years old. They were about the same size as me, and they would take me flying. That was my first memories of flying over the building, uh, of, you know, the, the neighborhood and such as that. Um, they also were really a loving, loving beings, just really sweet, fun, very fun. Um, when I'd hear them, I'd hear them like when they'd be coming, I'd hear these little, little whispers like, um, I don't know, like a munchkin, I, something like that, you know, these little whispers. Uh -huh. And I knew that they were coming. And um, so I had a, a lot of encounters with them. And also, I believe that they were in my life because... Uh, I was uh, born into an MK Ultra family and I was going through trauma-based mind control and I actually felt that I wasn't loved at all, um, neither by my father or my mother, because my mother was very vacant and I know she was also probably mind controlled, but she was vacant and she, was, she, she didn't know how to love and, or anything like that. So, But these guys did and they were wonderful. Um, so I don't remember them much past six. Uh, and then at six, uh, a willowy one came into my life, and uh, that was a tall one. And, you know, I was six, so I, I felt they were very tall. But when I, in hypnosis, I found out they were probably about five and a half feet tall. 
or maybe six. Oh. Uh, at, at the most six, um, because I did do a drawing one time when I believe I was older, uh, uh, like a teenager, and they were still quite a bit taller than me. So I, I figured they're five to six feet tall. And uh, they he was uh, white, um, very, very uh, opalescent, kind of white, kind of like, uh, yeah, opalescent's the best way to describe it. And he, he kind of shined like... He was also very, very, very skinny. Um, his uh, long, long arms, uh, and uh, he was, um, I called him willowy because when he walked, he actually glided and he didn't ever touch a floor. But he was very, um, like jello. He was just willowy. He just didn't have any bones or anything, you know. Do you have any, any artist renditions of uh, the BG Ewoks or the willowy? Actually, I do on my website on starseedawake.org. Uh, in my story, I believe I, or even, it's either on my story or it's in my gallery. I have um, pictures. And then, of course, when I do PowerPoint presentations at, at events, I, I have them there. But um, the Willow well, actually, could, what's that? After the show, direct us to, maybe after the show, direct or send me those links and I'll put them up on the Aquarian Radio page that I created for today's show, so people can see, uh, you know, picture picture says a you know million words, so that would be good. I have one question before we go. We'll go back to the willowy ones um, on the Ewok. Do you think, based on what they look like, that maybe uh, George Lucas saw the Ewoks? Maybe he's Absolutely. an experiencer. I, I feel so. I feel that he, if he didn't see one, he heard about it. I will tell you, and I have a picture that I will also put up there, that uh, from a insider who sent it to me, and he said this is a, and I can't one hundred percent say it is or not, but this be this this picture does it looks like close to an Ewok, so they kind of captured it. They they did some changes on it. But I have a picture of this, very an old picture of what um, was supposed to be the Ewoks. And in fact, according okay. to the person, that Ewok actually played a tiny, tiny second cameo role. But I, I don't know for sure about that. But but because I don't remember ever seeing it. But uh, he actually even had a name for it. I can't even think what the name was. And maybe that's probably not good to say. Um, but um, it was, uh, it was it's an amazing picture. So I'll send you that picture. It's very cool. And you can see it does not, it's not like it's a little people or anything like that. The, the way the body structure is, it, it looks pretty darn real to me. And it looks like my BGs. Just like my BGs. My BGs were never as buffed and square and like like the ones on Ewoks. But um, that's what I called them was Bee Gees. Bee Gees look kind of like bear-like. Now like the Willowies are humanoid kind of looking. But they're, well, they're, they're no, they're gray-like. They look like the grays, only gray they're taller. Yeah. Their eyes are slightly different, smaller. Um, and uh, they're pretty much gray looking yeah except they're Great different looking. color and i'm sure they're a different species but if you were to say what do they kind of look like i'd say the grays right well one always wonders how many fingers and whether they have double eyelids and stuff like that well, i know i remember that they had four 
fingers. And and that's um, and as for Ayano, I believe he had four also, uh, three, and then a then a, a pendant claw thumb kind of thing. And I believe oh, they had okay. four also. That's my memory. Thank you. So you saw the willowy beast uh, beings and. Uh, anything else you want to say about the willowy tall Well, that race? one was with me through my whole life, including uh, my children. My children had encounters with those groups. Uh, not the Bee Gees, but the willowy one. And in fact, one particular time, because um, he is tall, like I said, he's like five and a half to six feet tall, is how I absolutely knew he was, was one night. Um, and oh, I should also say that he kind of is in charge on board the ship because the little greys were also there. Now, whether they were the clone-like or robotic-like, they they were they were they didn't have really emotions, and they just kind of I called them little doctors, is what I called them, because they just went about their work, and that was it. So they was with me uh, with with the willowy one. So the willowy one on board the ship, I would see both of them, and even one time I saw. The willowy one, the greys, and I saw Ayano way in the back. Um, this was when I was 16 years old. And I saw three dark figures in cloaks in towards the very back. It was like a huge, it felt like a huge room. And they were in the distance. And But I felt this familiar feeling. And I said, I know you. One of you. I know one of you. I know you. And... Um, he stepped forward, dropped his cloak, and it was Ayano that I didn't know at the oh, time was Ayano, but I come to find out, yes, it was Ayano. So he has been watching for, a, for ever since I was a child. How tall is he? Oh, Ayano is seven and a half feet tall. Oh, my goodness. Now, do you have children with Ayano? I actually do have... Um, they, how they sh told me about it is um, that I do have two children anyway. With I, with what genetics from Ayano, um, I was presented with a little reptilian child. Um, now many times I had uh, presentations from other kids, but this one particular time, I was in the nursery, and again the type that were like the willowy one. It wasn't the willowy one this time. It was I gather I got a really female energy from it but i don't know but anyway a maternal it may not have been female it was maternal because it was in the nursery and um i saw children in there and then i just stood there because i knew it was some kind of presentation and then some the children kind of stepped aside and out, out walked this a bit stockier child who was green um like a light green with scales really um very minor scales, but still scales. And um, I immediately bonded and knew it was my baby. And I said, who's the father? Because I wondered. <laughs> and because I don't ever remember any physical contact with Ayano, ever. Um, but I said, who's the father? And they said, well, you call him Ayano and the all. And when they are talking to you telepathically, you get whole thought form imagery you know it's like it's like 
you get such knowledge from just a few words because you're seeing things and feeling things. It's it's a it's hard to describe, but I'm sure you know what I mean. Um, and right. um, yeah, and so I knew that the all was many other genetics. So Ayano's genetics and many other genetics, and that's what they were saying to me. And um, in fact, that little willowy guy is on on my KCOR website. Um, I have he's he's one of the little icons on my uh, on my show on my. Banner. Oh yes, I so that's uh, I've seen that. That's a very lovely image, um, and I'll put that also on the web page. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying that earlier that Misha came in last minute because we had a cancellation, but Misha, I think we've done about 10 shows together at least (laughs) over the years on the different radio stations. But um, I'm going to pull up your icon because that, I always wondered the um, background with your icon that you created for K-Core Radio, uh, your show is I called Star That I didn't create that. Tina Marie created that. She just, I gave her the picture of the little child, the baby. But she created the rest Right. Of yeah, she's the artist, but yeah, she's like the, uh, the police artist for your uh, descriptions of what you want to show, right? And so I've... Yeah, I've done that before. Like, no, no, it has a bigger nose, smaller nose, taller, shorter, wider. And so with the two of you, you created this wonderful image, which I'm pulling up right now so I can look at it so I can ask you questions on it. Oh, okay. okay, so so you, um, oh, I wanted to ask you, did, did you ever remember, I mean, being lovers with Diana? Did that... In the past life or current existence? Oh, definitely in past life. We were husband and wife, and yes, definitely. And then, okay, I'm going to tell you a story that is very interesting. Uh, I told it to, I shared it today for the first time with anybody in group. Um, Okay, I was in a a relationship with a man um, in the 90s, and uh, this was all the time when I was having a lot of encounters with with Ayano and a lot of experiences. Anyway, um, we were in a um, a, a, a love making. We were ma- in making love. Okay. Um, so all of a sudden, I see this whirling energy above me, and it's all different kinds of colors. Whirling energy, and it, I recognize the energy. And then the next thing I know, the the man that I'm with, my boyfriend, is not exactly like my boyfriend. He doesn't look different, but his energy is completely different. And in mm-hmm. fact, the Kundalini comes into play here. And it was oh, you know, tremendous. And uh, so when women say that they've had relationship with reptilian, they say it spoils them for humans. Well, that that could be the reason why. Uh, because that, <laughs> that energy is there. <laughs> and um, I said, Ayano, get out of him. And that very moment, Ayano did pull out and said, oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to feel what it would be like to be with you again physically. And I'm sorry. I won't ever do it again. But it freaked the man out because he realized something went on, especially with what I said. I'm saying it out loud. I'm not telepathic. And it did freak him out. And he was not really very happy. Um, So um, it... 
I know other reptilian experiencers, and it is hard for us to have relationships. Not that they come in all the time, but it is just, it's kind of a little harder to have relationships with human men. Right, right. And we're coming up on the break, so we'll pay attention to the music in a couple of minutes. But I have your image here. So the, the little being that you're hugging, that's your child with the big yes. blue eyes and kind of yes. yellowish skin. Yes. And then there's a being that's kind of gray, grayish looking, and he's standing behind a being that looks kind of like a, they have a maybe a metal space or a, it's a shiny space suit. And we're on a break. We'll have to uh, go into this after we get back. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Back in about five five minutes. This is the same Matrix. Opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? We will run! And we will live! Die? Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to train? All the days, from this day to that, for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! The future is uncertain, I know this. Death is inevitable, I know this. But one thing is certain, as free men, it is our right to live unencumbered and in peace. And those times are quickly drawing to an end. And in these times, peace is certainly an illusion. And as the chains grow tighter, our ability to slip those chains increase incrementally with every passing moment. In action is no longer an option. It's time to raise our voices like a cacophony of thunder and lightning and tell the masters no more. And this is Nighthawk, and I say, for myself, 
no more. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, because the freedom is slipping away. Looking for a nightcap to fill your listening needs? Come join us on Spaced Out Radio with me, Dave Scott, right here on Revolution Radio. Monday through Friday for three hours a night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, we will take you down the supernatural path. From ET contact to the paranormal and all of the spiritual, cryptid, and conspiracy stories in between, you can find us right here on Revolution Radio at spacedoutradio.com, on Twitter at spacedoutradio, and on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show. Spaced Out Radio, it's a night of talk and interaction. Are you experienced? Enjoy your extra big ass fries. You didn't give me no fries, I got an empty box. Would you like another extra big ass fries? I said I didn't get any. Thank you. Your account has been charged. Your balance is zero. Please what? come back when you can afford oh, to make no, a purchase. No. I'm sorry you're having come on. trouble. Come on! My kids are starving. Thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio. Here at Revolution Radio, we believe in freedom of ideas, freedom of speech, but above all, we believe in freedom of existence through self-reliance. This station is 100% listener-supported, and as a fundraising promotion, I have a kick-ass free gift for a $100 donation. 35,000 seeds. 25 years in the freezer. Long-term storable, 54 different varieties. So if food prices go crazy... It hits the fan, or if you just want to save tons of money every year by creating your own food like I do, grab our seed pack special. Just look for the banner on the homepage at freedomslips.com. Don't be a statistic. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. We need, as humans, to start taking care of ourselves and not depending on the megacorps to provide unhealthy, nasty food. Included in this package is also a DVD with 900 survival and off-grid living documents and the offline home canning how to do everything website all on the DVD. So when you're growing all that food, you know how to can it, store it, preserve it, etc. with all these documents. So thank you for tuning in to Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. I hope that you will pick up this package and start learning to be free. Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, where information never sleeps and freedom is one seed that needs to be planted. What we do in life, it goes in eternity. This is Thomas, a.k.a. a mad painter. I'd like you to join me Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Open Canvas. Don't forget to bring an open mind. Yes, folks, that's right. Bring an open mind to an open canvas. Again, that is Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern. UFOs to government corruption. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. Ladies. 
Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hey folks, Captain Nighthawk here. Do you have a favorite host? Well, imagine if you will having all the broadcast shows from 2013 to listen to anytime you want. Awesome deal, huh? Anyway, so stop by freedomslips.com and order the entire 2013 library of your favorite host for just $30. Not only do you help with the station funding to keep us on the air, you also help the host because they get half of the net on every order. Also, we have Revolution Radio's all-time favorite shows all on one disc. The details are really broad, so you'll have to visit the website and go look at the details yourself. It's, again, www.freedomslips.com forward slash season2013.htm. And get your favorites. First come, first serve, 7 to 21 days for delivery. Thank you. This is Revolution Radio, freedomslips.com, where information ever sleeps. Including me. <laughs> Later. We've got to stop them. They're going to kill us all. The opinions expressed on this radio station, its programs, and its website by the hosts, guests, and call-in listeners or chatters are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of Revolution Radio and FreedomSlips.com, its staff, or affiliates. You're listening to Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com, 100% listener-supported radio, and now we return you to your host. Welcome back, folks. Uh, we're having a little te- technical problems, and I'm trying to get Janet back on the line now. Uh, uh, that, I want to remind everybody, this is Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com, and we are totally listeners. Janet's guest, Misha Johnson, is still here with us. Uh, okay. Misha, you, you, want, go you have reached the voicemail sure, box of 80. Well, you know, we were talking about ET experiences, and she all, they had a couple of questions. One of the questions was, what is Monarch Programming? So I'll just go ahead and, and tell you about that. Uh, Mon- Monarch Programming is a method of mind control used by numerous organizations for co- covert purposes. It's sadistic and traumatizing of the victim. They create a mind-controlled slave who can be triggered at any time to perform any action required by the handler. This is accomplished by techniques compromising elements of a satanic ritual, MPD, DID, which is multiple personality disorder. It utilizes a combination of psychological hypnosis, neuroscience, and uh, the occult rituals to create alters in the personalities. Now, Uh, uh, Misha, hang on a second. I'm going to have to drop the call and restart in order to get them in with us. Okay. I had to reboot my computer. You're back live now. Let me get Misha again. Okay. (laughs) Aloha, everybody, and welcome back to the Sacred Matrix on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. I'm Janet Karen Lesson with Dr. Sasha Lesson, and we are your hosts today with our guest, Misha Johnson. But before we get back to our show, I want to remind everybody to please go over to that donation button on freedomslips.com and make your donation. Donate a dollar, five, fifteen, twenty, a hundred, whatever you can spare. We greatly appreciate your donation. Thank you very, very much. So a mad painter, Thomas Becker, is getting us back up and running here and getting back to our 
our guest. Oh, and she, before we get back here. to our show. Yeah, she's here. She's here. Yeah, we already okay. started the show back again, but in order to get you on, I had to reset it. All right. Well, that's good. Thank you for your patience. I'm not sure what happened. I lost my whole uh, modem, went down, <laughs> had to rebuild my computer for it to <laughs> come back. So that's because we're talking, Misha. They're uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> You never know. So we were talking about your, um, on your image, which I will put on the show page, you have a, a being that's kind of a light being on the right hand side. What uh -huh. is that? Is that really willowy being or a different being? No, that was just something that, um, you know, Tina put in there. There was actually the, the symbology of it was the baby, then the, the tall uh, white gray in the back and then the reptilian that's there but the other one I don't really know why that was put in there it was just just another you know visual <laughs> okay uh, I'll ask you a question though he's uh, holding off um so I'm going back to our chart when we started here oh first of all is there anything you want to say to finish our thought that we were uh, talking about when we went to break okay um, let me see if I remember that. <laughs> that seemed like years ago already. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I already came back and I was uh, giving the description of um, of what an MK Ultra is. So um, I was going through that. Uh, but um, your last well, question. We were also talking about how difficult it is having a human relationship once you have uh, a lover who's so uh, able to activate their kundalini energy yes and i shared my What's very that? very private <laughs> experience <laughs> and uh so well it is it is it's hard and but um you know you, you yeah know i understand uh because what one of my uh, parts of my life was a, as a tantra, a tantrika, learning tantra, mastering tantra. I met Sasha. We had the school of tantra. We're actually coming full circle. I'm going to start it up again because there's a very strong um, experiencer faction of this kundalini awakening process that allows you to connect not only with your higher self and become conscious and aware and enlightened and, and clear all your psychological and emotional issues, but it opens up healing frequencies to extraterrestrial contact and allows you to be more calm and centered when you have contact with extraterrestrials. So you're not in that fight or flight fear mode. Mm -hmm. um, so we were talking about that earlier on your show. And, um, but having had a beloved, you know, lovers that are tantric is much different than people that are kind of just, um, regular because they don't have the mastery of their energy of their chakras of um it, it's like the difference between having sex and making love and making divine conscious spiritual love there's like different degrees and so it's hard to go back once you've had a sacred divine tantric kind of kundalini awakening lover that's how i experience it i've talked to many people on that level and today I was surprised how many people on your discussion had a Kundalini awakening. Sasha wants to say something. Yeah, <laughs> you, my, my advice to the listeners, you know, is 
uh, you know, if you're in a situation with an alien, I'd be there enthusiastically and, and uh, you know, dig it. Yeah, it, you know, you might as well. <laughs> so back to you, Misha. What else would you like to share? Um, well, okay, so you asked me about my uh, different uh, experiences with the different beings. So it kind of covers the, the types uh, other than... Um, um, you know, I, I haven't gone into the my lab experience. Of course, I have my lab experience as well. Um, my book, and my first uh, book that you mentioned about covert abductions, military harassment, surveillance, and interrogation, and mind control, is really just covering some of my my lab experiences. Then my next uh, volume is I'm working on right now is going to be discussing all of the um, the missing time, the uh, MK Ultra, uh, my missing periods of time for eight months and such. But uh, did you have any other ET questions before we go into that? <laughs> well, we didn't talk about the mantoid. Oh yeah, did you have a mantis uh, experience? Um, it was a very brief one, and I don't remember much anything other than. Uh, it's not like a praying mantis. It was some kind of a different one than a gray, and I would call it a mantis. Uh, I would call it in the mantis family, but it was not a praying mantis. And I only remember one thing and feeling it and feeling that it had a coarse skin, and that's all I remember. So it probably was a hybrid of some type. Yeah, I remember seeing the hybrid gray, uh, tall gray mantis uh, when I was in the underground station I looked at it and I go well that's not really a pure um, gray it looks like it's part mantis and I saw the mantis you know a lot of times we remember only you know one or two experiences we may have had a lot more interactions with these different beings but we're only remembering and until we go through hypnosis we don't have all the details and right. often we don't even go think of going there until something in our current lives may trigger the memories from the you know previous part of our lives or even past lives so um, yeah well I, and and when you yeah. talk about underground that does help me remember that yeah the ones in the underground um did have they were very mantis in a way looking but not like the praying mantis big eyes and the funny lay uh, you know front front uh, hands legs or arms or whatever you call them but they were uh, in a beige appearance very tall and very skinny and they were um well I'll, I'll tell you the experience on that was when uh, I was in an elevator I think I've shared this one though but anyway I was in an elevator going down with some other people we were going down I could see a couple of people in front of me uh, humans um, naturally, they were also abductees. And as the as um, I saw a military guy standing there with a gun right there at the uh, the in front of us, and myself and I'm sure everybody else was in this kind of ca catastrophic kind of state that we basically all we could do is look forward and move our eyes, and that's it. So as uh, uh, but we were also shuffled out when the doors opened and. There was a group going to the right, a group going to the left. I was a group going off to the left. And as I did, I turned my eyeballs and looked over to see the other group going off to these tall, mantis-looking, beige-colored 
uh, beings. And my son was in there, my 13-year-old son. So really freaked me out because I wasn't sure whether I'd going to see him again at the time. It was very frightening. But that's that's true. The, the, those mantis, the, those look like a. I mean, they're they the closest thing I can say to what a mantis might be. But I've never had the praying mantis that a lot of people have talked about. Yeah, and I've had both, so I I know the difference, and they were definitely a different species. And uh, I think that the that tall mantis gray hybrid was thinner than the regular mm. pure mantis be if I recall it correctly but it's really interesting you know I hope someday that we create like a, a weekend or something where we're uninterrupted we can all hypnotize each other and see what we get I'd love that yes yes that'd be great some of these things are so repressed but as soon as you go into that state it's like it it's amazing I don't know if uh, our listeners who's been hypnotized but when I get hypnotized I I have it come back in such great detail i'm often crying or smiling or laughing or you know catharting and sometimes i'm pissed off when somebody you know didn't ask permission or something but i have great emotional content and <clears throat> excuse me i really enjoy um accessing those memories <laughs> so okay me too okay, so all my all my hypnotherapist friends have left he, here, and so I'm I don't have anybody. So I really really look forward to it. Maybe we us getting together. <laughs> oh, yeah, listen, I would like to just say to the listeners: if, if you're hypnotized, listening right now, if you're hypnotized, turn the volume up a little. If you're not hypnotized, turn the uh, volume down a little. Okay, so you're hypnotized because if you did either one, you'd following my suggestion. Dig it. <laughs> okay makes sense usually do have to turn the volume up <laughs> so we were talking about the different terms of my labs so mk ultra mm -hmm. uh, monarch, monarch uh, yeah could you continue with your explanation oh. of the term okay well i already uh, told people about the the monarch. Uh, I was starting to, I should say. Now, if you want me to repeat it, I can do that for you. But because you know already, so I don't think I need to repeat it. But I'll just kind of go on from where I finished, uh, unless they're going to edit that out. I don't know. What do you think? Should I no. go ahead and start no. over? No, no, keep okay. going. Okay. So a primary important factor for a trauma-based mind control is the ability to dissociate. And it was discovered that the ability is passed genetically from generation to generation. Um, so the dissociation is a very important factor. Of not everybody probably can dissociate, and some can. In fact, my father would, um, when he was doing the trauma-based mind control on me, he would um, tell me to go out of my body. He would say, you need to leave because... The pain that I am causing is not near as much as what you're going to be get receiving later in your life. So, um, wow. yeah, he used to tell me to go out. So when you go out, um, something else probably has to come in. You know, so that's how it is. So the CIA and the Illuminate are skilled at blackmailing parents and giving up uh, on giving up their children. So they would watch the mail for porn pedophilia murderers or who or who abused their children or 
are warned that they will go to prison for long lengths of time if they do not cooperate by selling their children into mind-controlled slavery. Now, and in, and in many cases, and this was not the case here, this was the case as my father was mind-controlled, so therefore, and he was DID, so therefore, um, other children would be and and I, we've gone in this with an other show so i'm not going to go into it but suffice to say that for by the time i was born four of the children had already died of very odd things very suspicious things so i believe that my in fact my father on a deathbed said to me i'm i'm very sorry that i did what i did to you but i had to because your mother couldn't handle losing any more children and from that and then he, he actually passed away uh very soon after that but he went back into his coma right after that and so i i know from that that i'm sure they were being tortured to to, to give up children all the way along and they wouldn't do it so they ended up that i'm sure somebody ended up either taking the children killing them or whatever you know i i, I don't know uh, uh, there's death certificates for all of them, and that's what I've looked up, and that's all I can tell you. But um, so, a type of father who is w most preferred by the programmers is to offer up the children for programming in the in uh, pedophilia or or the monarch or any of these programs is the father who will abuse his own little baby girl. Then the programmers know that this man has no conscience. Um, so that is you know, some of the things they, they look for. However, um, also part of the mind control is in, in uh, I'm just going to read this, and research I have found that repinol, ketamine have become known as, um, and as well, it's well known as the date rape drug. Um, but it was been in with the CIA, I've been using it for a long time. Uh, these drugs are odorless and colorless and can easily be slipped into someone's drink. They can cause dizziness, disorientation, loss of inhibition, and loss of consciousness. They can also produce an amnesic state, causing a victim to be unclear of what, if any, crime was committed. These drugs are particularly dangerous when they're combined with alcohol. Um, so um, a, a person can lie on the floor, eyes open, able to observe events of what is happening to them, such as being raped or something like that, which has happened to 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 me as well and and not be able to do anything about it um and afterwards their memory is so impaired that they cannot even recall what happened so hypnosis drugs psychosurgery separately and combined uh were the tools that they use in the illuminati to uh cause a truth serum in one hand and the capability to create an agent who could not have his or her mission tortured out of them or even be aware that they were carrying secret information given to them in an altered state of consciousness. More and more sophisticated drugs were experimented on, uh, such as LSD, ketamine, psychosyllabine, lobotomies, uh, the ex and the ex I should say psychosyllabine. Now, lobotomies and the implantation of electrodes uh, were considered a method for creating a compliant agent. Electrocompulsive shock combined with LSD, sedation for days at time, which was done to me. With if I have time, I'll share a little bit of that. Um, was um, it's like the sleep program, the sleeping program, and is constantly replaying the same 
message over and over and over and programming uh, people. Also helmet mounted headphones uh, also used. And these were uh, from a Canadian re researcher, Cameron, is uh, who actually started this and found this out for the CIA. He, he was the one that discovered that it could be done and could uh, and at that time you could implant your own memories in after you've wiped uh, these this this the other memories out so a systematic program to create and manipulate other other alter personalities on a foundation for programming courses the resistance to torture where a primary personality would not even be aware of their secret information being carried and the information would be summoned forth via a post-hypnotic command or response to a pre-programmed cue research continued until well it's continued on. Supposedly, it can it stopped in the 70s, but it's continued on. But now they've gone to the psychotronic, so they can do it all remotely. Right. Wow. A monarch is someone who goes one step further. They're they're now programmed and trained into being sex slaves, being couriers, being um, drug basically, you know, drug meals as well. Uh, they're also used in the blackmailing um, uh, things where they, they'll, uh, they want a, a, a senator to vote the way they want. They put them in a precarious situation with, uh, with, with some uh, monarchs and uh, doing some sadistic, silk, sick uh, thing in sex or whatever else, torture, whatever. And so then now they have them in their pocket. So this was used, and in, in fact, um, I my memory, um, and it's yeah, way too short for me to tell you this. But anyway, I I was um, 17 years old at the time. I was at a college cafeteria. I um, a man walked up to me and said uh, to us and said. Uh, Hey, you guys want to make some money? You can make money in our our our, our dream program, and all you got to do is just we just watched your dream, and that, that's it. So I decided I would do it because I could use the money. And I last thing I remember is walking into the building, and the next thing I remember is um, eight months later, I'm on a bus looking at a ticket with a last name that I don't recognize, and then the program that is playing in my head is I was married. He didn't want to be married anymore. He was a Navy Marine corpsman. And he, uh, his parents said, if you get rid of your wife, we'll send you through, through medical school. And so he put me on the bus and said, that was it. So that, that was my memory that played. Also, my memory was I was trying, you know, I had a lot of hours, like um, nine hours or so to figure out get any kind of memories and so one other memory came up was that we cleaned i i was in a group of people who cleaned houses also that i had had encephalitis which is a brain disease that at that time and i've looked it up was only with children um and um so i was quarantined to my home so that's why i don't have any memories of being out or anything so those are the three memories i had period of eight months and when I get home, I uh, call my parent. I mean, when I got to the bus station, um, I, I called my, at the end of my ride, I called my uh, parents. They come and pick me up and proceeded to tell me that I had been married and I had walked down the aisle and I had a wedding dress and I even had a, a reception 
um, that after the wedding and they actually hated the man who was my husband um, and in fact my father refused to walk me down the aisle they also told me that I acted very weird and that they thought that maybe I was on doing drugs or something and I have no memory whatsoever um, of it the only memory I have of a wedding and it came up later on was standing in front of a mirror looking at somebody who looked like me but didn't feel like me and I'm screaming in the back going no don't no 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 can't happen no and it was me and the as a back altar and the, my front altar had taken over during a regression I found out um, it came through uh, and the the altar um, well, actually, the, the hypnotherapist was saying, well, why don't you remember your wedding? Why don't you remember your wedding? And the altar came, opened um, my eyes and uh, um, and grinned and said, because it wasn't her wedding, it was mine. And she's asleep like she's supposed to be. And wow. so I realized, you know, that that's what it was. I, uh, there was an altar. And in fact, she had per- Com- completed and uh, and found out how old the altar was. In fact, the altar had come into my life at three years old. And she asked, why did you come into the life? And the altar said, I had to because if I didn't, she'd have died. I'm the strong one. She's the weak one. If I didn't do what, take all of the pain, she wouldn't have lived. Wow. <laughs> So, so my altar came in at three years old. So, and I'm sure that was during the trauma-based, con, you know, uh, tortures and stuff that my father. Well, that what uh, happens is the altars come in as a result of torture. So that's yeah, they when do. They start splitting. Yeah, yeah, and, and they know this. I mean, this is what they know how to do it. And um, so, when you have a mind-controlled person who's, and my father used to talk about how severe his life was, how horribly he had. And I kind of think, you know, um, you know, and I know he had a different personality. Several times I saw it come out and it was vicious, totally vicious. He was a very abusive uh, um, man, you know. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of what they they, they look for and uh, it runs in families. And so... um, you said you'd never heard about my second one, so I'll, I'll tell you about my second missing time. Yeah. Um, okay, well, with the second missing time, I was in Ogden, Utah. Oh, no, excuse me. I was in Salt Lake at the time. I was in Salt Lake, and um, a the phone rang. I remember hearing what I thought was a fax tone, and that was the last thing I really remember. And um, the so the next thing I... I, I don't remember, well, the next thing I remember is my brother knocking on my door and me opening it and him saying, your sister's um, husband was murdered and you have to come and help her. And I bought you this yellow Volkswagen to use and to drive up there. And I'm in San Francisco now. So from from Utah to San Francisco. Now, there is that memory that that uh, that screen memory that plays in my head that um I went to Bob's Big Boy and 
was walked in, uh, sat down, and somebody walked in, a man, and said, who will take, you, you will take me to, uh, or will you, I think it was, will, will you take me to um, to San Francisco? And I, I of course, I, I said, yes, <laughs> right, that's not my style at all, but um, so that's, that's this memory, and I'm thinking to myself, that's no way, it's not me, I would never take a stranger, I wouldn't even pick up hitchhikers, you know, so I had very little memory. The only memory I have of, of San Francisco is uh, I remember um, being, now this is where the ritual abuse seemed to be more strong there. Uh, satanic uh, ceremonies, um, pentagrams, goats, heads. Uh, these are just flashes that, that, that are only that only thing there. Um, a hill and being driving down in a car feeling like um i'm gonna die because whatever drug they had me on was just the most horrifying thing i felt like i was going to die and the girl next to me was screaming like she was on fire wow. um, oh it was just uh and that's real oh and then one other time i remember a castle that's it that that's that's the some memory of that um in in uh However, in Seattle, I didn't tell you about uh, the one memory of, you know, the movie Eyes Wide Shut. Well, I experienced yeah. that. Uh, in fact, when I was telling you that we were, I was supposedly a, a, somebody, a group of people who cleaned uh, ma uh, houses and stuff. Well, the memory did finally come back to me in flashes on the way home from the bus. And I forgot to tell you this part, uh, that um, I was, I, I was in a bus with, Six, I think it was, young men, uh, 11, 12, 13, and some women, my, young women my age. We pulled up to a big iron gate. The word Victoria Island is in my head, and that's all I know. And as we went through the gate, um, um, the lights were all on, like it was a big party. We were driven around to the back, took up the back stairs, and we were used as party favors. Now, the boys were never brought down but the young women were had told to put on these fine gowns and go down and, and mingle and be chose, you know. So um, there was also a there was also masks like it's an eyes wide shut. There was a really ritual ceremony that happened after the party uh, that was very reminiscent of, of the eyes wide shut. So. Um, that's monarch. That kind of tells you what a uh, monarch. What, what happens in the ritual in the eyes wide shut? I didn't see that movie. What happens in that movie? Yeah, oh, he uh, didn't see. Okay, in the movie in the eyes wide shut, uh, they're proclaiming that these are prostitutes that they use, and they're of their own free will, which is a lie. Um, but that uh, this guy uh, has—they're pretty much programmed. You can see that. And then all of you know, then they drop their robes and they go and mingle uh, with and choose and be and are chose to go up and and serve and be the party favors and things like that, you know. So, uh, and everybody who is attending the this soiree are all in masks, and that is something I remember seeing parties with masks. I also remember seeing parties with elites with 
government official government officials, Hollywood people, um, and um, aliens. I also remember aliens. Wow. Now, I don't know if they were aliens who, I don't remember them like looking like aliens, but I knew they were aliens. Of course, that right? maybe they were shapeshifters. I don't know. But um, that that uh, experience, that um, ceremony afterwards had um, a uh, had reptilians and uh, some humans and stuff in it as well. So they they do. Well, think- what was Nisha? What was your emotional experience while you were in these situations? Uh, what were you feeling uh, in? in your guts and what were you feeling in your heart and what were you thinking? You know, you're really, when I look back on it, what was I thinking was sickening, sick to my stomach. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, fear, but yet the, no emotions are ever shown because again, with the ketamine and those kinds of drugs, you are totally usable, pliable, and you do whatever they ask. In fact, you will kill somebody under those kinds of drugs. I know other you, people who have talked about this. So you feel, you feel it inside, but uh, you don't show it. I, one of my clients, uh, they said, you know, if you cry, you're next, if, as this other child was being sacrificed. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, you know, if you if you're going back to my childhood, yes, I remember emotions and I also remember threats like that during sacrifices that and they would often sacrifice somebody that you'd gotten connected with. So for for that purpose, um, they yes. put you together so that you would make friends and it brought the it did the, it brought the programming stronger and stronger by doing that because then you realize you can't connect with anybody you can't love anybody you can't be friends with anybody so because they're going to be taken away they're going to be killed in front of you wow so how how did you learn to survive all this you seem to be so strong and centered and conscious and yet you've had this Random things happen to you in your life. Well, I was not at all together until about 1989. I was a mess and I'd had the psychiatric and I'd been, you know, uh, I was, um, you know, I had never, well, I shouldn't say that. I had been in, I had been in psychiatric places, but those were when I was taken and put there, but I had never consciously been put into a psychiatric ward but I have had a lot of psychiatric help and uh you know I was uh I was in in um Utah when I went back to Utah uh, I ended up uh, you know doing a lot of therapy and such as that so the therapy helped and I also was fortunate to have one woman who was my hypnotherapist who was open enough to believe it and she you know open enough to accept it i should say she she had a hard time believing it but just accept it because she she brought out not only et but the mk ultra stuff and she really thought that uh i was just 
um, I, I was just imagining that and that it was all just my father. Which a lot of times, you know, they blame, they say, oh, it's just your family. Well, um, it oftentimes people find out if there have been uh, abused sexually by family and family members, it's a big possibility that there is more to it. Yeah. Um, Well. (laughs) Where else do you want me to go? Oh, okay, well, I'm just kind of, uh, that was very intense. So you've been through this incredible, and, and part of what we know in healing is once you go through it, when you start working with other people, it takes it to another level and allows you to heal even further. Right. Every time you take somebody through it, there's a part of you that goes through it again. And yeah. each time you do the with somebody you part of you is identifying accessing additional memories able to empathize with them and with that part of yourself that was the victim that was helpless and couldn't do anything so tell us about your work let's switch it to the pod well you gotta embrace the perp and uh, feel so that you can uh, have your own assertive uh, energies and not just be uh, uh, tied to the victim role yeah, uh, I know. I hear that a lot. And, um, you know, my spiritual, I, I became very, very spiritual. Um, I started attending the teaching of the inner Christ. Uh, I went through a lot of classes on self-mastery um, and different kinds of um, classes to, to try to get in touch with that who I am. And, um, and I think it kind of helped me realize that I signed up for this. I did. Yes. I did. I, 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 I agreed that this is, was going to be my life. Of course, when you're out there and you're, you're the spiritual being, you're going, Hey, I can handle this. <laughs> but when you get into this, this body and this avatar and you have to feel it and the emotions and everything like that, it's so much different. And there was many, many times that I, you know, felt like this, um, I can't complete this. But I know I agreed to be in the family I was. I agreed to be born and to do the things. And being in the family, that brought in the the, the mind control part of it. So I agreed, I agreed to it. I agreed to it to be with, with the ETs I am. Now, I, granted, I don't feel that if I'd agree, if I'd have known everything that happened, would I have agreed? But probably not. But because it plays out uh, differently than what I think we think it's going to play out. Um, But, um, you know, it was a mission and I needed to learn the good, the bad and the ugly. I needed to learn all aspects of the of the world and what uh, can happen in an experience from the good, positive ETs to the negative government. And uh, so I um, I believe that that's. That helped me tremendously uh, to understand people who are experiencers who come into my groups. I don't have judgments because how can I judge them when I have experienced such a strange thing in my life? And that is unbelievable. It's even unbelievable to me. There isn't a day that goes by that I don't think, you know what? I think a lot of that screen marry me. And I do. I still think that there's some implanted memories in there. 
that's what I'm trying to get through. So I write a book that's honest and and and, and correct, you know. But um, anyway, see, um, I digress here. So I um, I just feel that um, it made me a, a better a better understanding, more loving human being. And um, I don't have to be a victim when you know that you made the choice and you have a choice to stay in that pain in that, in that uh, of the um, victimization role, or you have a choice to get out of it. And I chose to get out of it. And it's, it, it's a choice, just like a free will is. It's a choice. So if you want to stay there, you can. And you can be a, have a miserable life for the rest of your life and die that way. But that's not that was my choice. So. Wow. Yes. Go ahead, Todd. So it's, you know, like Len Kasdan talks about, you know, our genetics, how we're the uh, result of we're partly uh, reptilian. And so. Uh, the, the part of ourselves that are fractal with the uh, uh, Dracos uh, is a really interesting part. And, and if we become one with it, what we do is we say, uh, uh, there's a part of me that's aware of hierarchy and, uh, and uh, wants to be on top. But what does that part really uh, need? Why does it want that? And uh, what it probably needs is to be be admired and be loved and uh, and so that once you start dealing with the needs of the whoever we is interacting with us whatever uh, skyfaring uh, species if we can just feel our oneness with them we have a chance for them to feel us because it works two ways and so I think that's what's really important that's the basis of transcendence to see that the apparent other is really part of self and you're not trapped within your former idea of self and your experiences Nisha have been an ever expanding sense of your own self I have the most difficulty dealing with the uh, with the young men the soldiers who are torturing people who are party to this mean things done to uh, people and the abductions and uh, they're just uh, and and I understand they're, a lot of them are doing it because they think they're protecting their country, and mm -hmm. uh, they think they're, they're assassinating people. They're they're killing for 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 Jesus. You know, it's it's bizarre. But that's uh, it, that's the, so when the Dracos take over a place and what they what Kasdan says they have via the Nazis uh, uh, who have infiltrated our, our government and paper clipped and done all the mind control stuff that the Dracos really have uh, done the mind control and uh, the, the Nazis are, for the most part, in control of the military mind of these people, all uh, the super soldiers who don't empathize anymore with the rest of us humanity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I, 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 from my perspective, it's just time to take it to the higher level. Yeah. So... Who are we at the level of source and, and right next to source in that vibratory frequency that we created this paradigm, this continuum upon which to play it out with the light, dark, good, bad, evil, you know, good parameters. Uh, we are in some way everything and all of it. And we created this system to diversify existence and, and create experiences. So that's where you can go to have some compassion and empathy for every everybody and everything, uh, and those who chose to be the um, 
the bad guys, <laughs> the black cats in this are actually um, suffering as much as those who are being the victims. The victimizers are being are suffering as much as the victims. So what does this system of, of suffering create for everybody? So what's the purpose of the victim of suffering, of the system of suffering? Singularity. I guess what, um, what's his name? Um, Russell Grinninger says is that we're going towards a singularity. So by acknowledging and feeling our separateness, we actually can get the polar opposite, polar opposite which is our oneness. Uh, then we achieve Onavashivaya. Everything we are, everything and everything, yeah. Like, um, what was his name? The guy, uh, Talbot, the young man who died of cancer, and said, "This is a holographic universe, and that we are in everything, and everything is in us." Have you experienced in your exchanges with extraterrestrials and all these people anyone talking about this concept of Onavashivaya? Um, everything is, we are everything, and everything is us. Yeah, well, um, hmm. when I I work with a, a galactic, they call themselves the consortium. When I saw them, I and I, I felt like they are like, um, I see them in astral, okay? And so they'll come through and they'll speak to me. And maybe not astral, but I can see them through another dimension, let's say, because I'm wide awake when I'm doing it. But uh, they have told and actually, some of them are hybrids that I communicate with, but but they do call themselves a consortium. And they told me at one time that uh, that we are all one. And they they said, "You are our sister. You are our brother. You are our mother. We are your your." And they just kept going over and over and over again. Um, to so I mean, that's kind of the closest thing I can think of is what you're talking about. I don't I don't know. I guess I don't really say I've had that same identical thing, but the ETs, you know, feel that we're all just connected. And, and, and I think what they were saying to me was, you know, you have been everything. We've been everything. We are everything together. We are one. Right. Sash. Okay. So we are widening down towards the end of the show. Well, we have uh, uh, less than 10 minutes. What and was the funnest thing that you saw, the most interesting stuff from contact in the desert, Nisha? Oh, yeah, you were just in contact. Tell us about your Oh, well, I got to tell you, the, be the best thing that I had an experience was when I, at Giant Rock um, the last night, unfortunately, why I couldn't come to your group, and I was out there working to help Melinda, uh, we had a sighting that came down rather low it was away from us but it was rather low uh, they we, now i didn't get to see uh, this happen but they said it went behind the mountain but then i we we kept watching that area hoping they'd come back up and we had many other sightings you know lots of other sightings but this one was towards the end of the night and um so then all of a sudden uh, uh, two three jets come flying by from the airport they come uh, from the uh, 29 palms and they come and there's one in the front and two flanking him and all and they go towards that area where we the, the people had seen the ufo go behind the mountain and next thing we know we see here comes the ufo shooting almost and not straight up but very 
diagonally up the sky. And here comes a flashing jet. And a, the UFO has no flash on it. We can see it is. Now, some people said it had a, a very odd design, like one of those that has that curly Q look to it. Like a, a what did they say? Like a, gee, can't remember now what it was. But anyway, it was a very odd shaped thing. And somebody did it in the sand, and that's all I remember about it. But we watched while this jet had to catch up with this ship, and it's just taken off away from him. But still, he's staying close. And I know that the ship was just messing with him, because if he wanted to, he could have zipped right out of the way. But so he chased him across the sky, so all the way across to all of us, and chased and kept chasing and chasing until we saw the uh the ufo go out of sight and the ship just was we could still see the flashing in the in the far future so that was really cool because uh, melinda had said in uh what's it 743 tours she had only seen four of these chases that were this good and this close and stuff so it was pretty cool and uh i i, I believe that somebody took a video of it though the video isn't as good as what we saw um it will be on facebook i understand soon or on contact in the desert site yeah you know I, i've gotten from several whistleblowers the direct orders do not fire on extraterrestrial craft uh -huh. if you do they'll shoot you down exactly I just wonder if they were putting on a show for you guys. Oh, I think they were. I definitely think they were. Because we had been flashing them, and we had all kinds of experience in contact. In fact, uh, the people had been flashing the ship before it went underneath the mountain. I'm sure they were aware that we were there, and they probably were doing putting on a show. Yeah, I was uh, at the uh, Skywatch last year. I didn't get to do it this year because all my classes were at night. But um, there were um, to the kind of like to the to the bottom left, which I think was probably west or something. I don't know. I can't quite get the direction. They kept coming up from the ground and they would come up two, three at a time and they would go really fast, much faster than a plane. And then uh -huh. they, they weren't blinking and they would go and dance around each other up, up way up on our heads. So they definitely weren't. Um, I mean, they could be the secret space program. They could be, you know, reverse engineered craft, not necessarily extraterrestrials in there. Who knows, you know, anymore? Yeah, who knows? Even this one could yeah. have been a, uh, it could have been a reverse engineered craft. We we don't know. <laughs> we just know there's something that isn't within this paradigm of this uh -huh. reality of what the governments are revealing to us. So uh -huh. did you? Um, see any presentations or panels did you have any oh yeah i saw some i saw some um there, there was some good things um i tell you probably my favorite my favorite thing was i was able to be part of the experiencer group uh barbara jean Lenny had an experiencer group and you were there of course as well and the group was a, a large group of people so she had us split up and and take them into different areas and my area was my lab experiences and so uh, that was very 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 interesting i really i really enjoyed that talking to new people i made some uh new friends and contacts that will have already attended uh, my my uh, internet zoom groups 
Oh, wonderful. I would like to just quickly say these Zoom groups are um, open to everybody. They're public and they're in and uh, they can just go on Facebook to find them. You can also not only just Zoom, uh, use the Zoom, which is like a Skype, but uh, you get video. You can do your video. You can you don't have to have your video on. You can share your pictures because the system that it works on is you can, anybody can share whatever is on their their inner their uh, computer. So you can share pictures of your experience, and then also people can even call in if they want. And so I have people call in, call in, or, or come into the group from all over the world. And so uh, it's uh, I'd love to have people who are watching who need to share and talk with people who feel and understand and know what they're going through. And, um, you know, I have do private sessions and um, they can go to starseedawakening.org to find out more about it. Right. I highly recommend it. I've been to many of your groups. I can't attend every single one of them, but they're lovely. I enjoy meeting people from around the world. And uh, there's amazing stories out there. Of oh, all my, people yes. That a wide variety of experiences. I had the um, kind of an eclectic group of experiencers because yours was the theme and I just got like, but it was very interesting uh, finding the connection with each other. It took a little bit of time, but we did, uh, everybody had something in common. And in fact, they were going, wow, I almost went to that group, but I saved this one. And and it turned out to be perfect. The people that gathered in our group and in your group, I'm sure Barbara's group, uh, it was perfect for all of them. So I uh -huh. recommend listeners that if you can go to a conference that has these experiential groups, they're very powerful. And uh, you can learn a lot about each other and about yourself. Okay, we have probably, let's see, let me see this. About a minute before the um, can I just make on. a can I just say one other thing? Uh, tomorrow sure. there is the um, uh, JFK's 100th anniversary uh, conference, and they can just go on JFK 100th anniversary conference. They can find it and they can stream it live. It's really inexpensive and it's like an all day event and there's all kinds of speakers and they can check that out. So that's that's tomorrow. So while they're having their barbecue, they can also be watching some interesting, interesting things. Yes, that's produced by Lori and Fenton, our dear friend. So I yes, it is. She has wonderful. And that's our show. Thank you very much. Thank you, listeners. Much love and blessing. Thank you.
some more speed records in this day and age. You need coverage. Coverage? Oh, you mean them little root weevils that crawl around popping off cameras in your face? Those root weevils write history. Many of you know that quote by Jack Nicholson and a few good men. You can't handle the truth. Well, you can, and Event Horizons will give you those truths. When you're mad as hell and not going to take it anymore from that memorable scene in Network, you'll know just what to do. We will draw you in and become your news addiction at Event Horizons. Join us Monday through Friday. Have you heard? Metro by T-Mobile now includes Amazon Prime. Yes, enjoy the best of shopping and entertainment, movies, TV shows, music, free shipping, and much more. All included for just $40 per line for three lines. All on the T-Mobile network. Discover the smarter way. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.